Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we're doing a year in review, U.S. Women's National Team style. Before we get into all of that, today is the last day to vote for us. We are nominated in the Signal Awards for Best Episode. We couldn't do it without you, the listeners. So please, please, please click on the link in this episode description and vote for us. It only takes a second, and it would mean so, so much to have your support. It would be a little Christmas gift for me. (laughs) And Lisa, if you could go ahead and give us that vote. Lisa, it's a big week for holidays. (laughs) How are you doing? It is a very big week. Um, just making it through to the weekend. That's that's what we're, we're pushing for. A lot of people are going to work this week. So hopefully um, this episode provides everyone a little bit of light, fun look at the U.S. Women's National Team and everything that they did in 2022 because Christmas is around the corner. You've got your festive hat on, your festive shirt. I've got my festive shirt on as well. Um, we're just living for the holidays. Still no snow here yet in Philly. Um, don't worry. I'll keep everyone updated on that. But the rain yeah. has subsided. So we're happy about that front. Um, but you know, it just push them for the weekend at this point. Always gotta always gotta let the folks know how the weather is in our area. <laughs> I, I love I love that about us. Um, we definitely got a little bit of, of snow, you know, frozen rain, I would also argue as well. So um it was like the perfect amount for me. Like just the light the the light dusting where mm-hmm. it's like people aren't going to get too out of control and it's just enough to look pretty, you know, perfect. That is like the perfect amount, honestly, too much. And then it's like becomes a mess, especially when you live in the city. It's like, where do we put the snow? How does it Mm -hmm. melt if you don't have subway under you? It's like a whole situation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, this is nice. It's setting like the scene for some good um, like holiday uh, backdrop. So again, yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy Thursday. Happy holidays. Happy um, Hanukkah, you're, you're already in the process of, of celebrating those things. Uh, so we're looking forward to to s- celebrating and spending time with our loved ones uh, as well. But with this type of week also comes the whole concept of like 
doing uh, a, a reflective episode or doing reflective pieces or looking back on the year that just took place. And of course, we are going to do that today with the United States Women's National Team and the 2022 calendar year. We've, we're going to go chronologically, but we're really going to uh, probably take deeper dives onto things that uh really kind of stood out for us with, you know, in terms of covering this team in 2022. So, you know, there's no better place to start than at the top. Uh, this team, you know, started out their, uh, their 2022 with their, uh, you know, annual January camp it was a little different in the sense where, it wasn't a big, big, massive kind of ID type of camp. It was still kind of roughly around, I believe it was like 23 to 26 players. Mm -hmm. um, and But this camp didn't have any uh, friendlies attached to it. It was just an extensive camp for players to sort of get back into the mix uh, with each other. And we already know that that's going to be different in 2023 because U.S. Soccer said, yes, there's going to be the January camp. It is going to take place in New Zealand. And there are going to be not one, but two friendlies. And it is going to be against the co-host nation of New Zealand. So already a little bit of different energy from 2022 to 2023. But I think because of that, knowing that there were just going to be the, there was just going to be the camp that made us a little bit more excited for something like Shiba right. Cup, which ended up taking place in like, you know, February, March. Yeah. I mean, I think it, the difference between last year and this year already is because in 2023, the team is preparing for a World Cup, um, as is everyone else, as are we. But She Believes Cup last year happened um, in February, like it usually did in Carson and in Frisco, Texas and, and California. Um, and it featured Iceland, Czech Republic and New Zealand. The United States won it. It was their fifth She Believes Cup title. But it, if you remember, Sandra, they didn't start out maybe yeah. as strong and as dominant as fans would have liked. It was a 0-0, nil-nil Czech Republic draw at, to start this she believes cup for the United States. They then go on to smack New Zealand five nil and then smack Iceland five nil. We had a, a lot of different goal scorers, Mallory Pugh. Um, I believe she had four in this or three in this. She had a couple of braces in a game and the game against Iceland, Christine Ewis got on the board. We saw Katarina Macario score goals. Um, Ashley Hatch was, was also part of this roster for She Believes Cup. But this was also the start of, from the January camp to the She Believes Cup, the start of where we saw a lot of consistency from Blacko Andonofsky about the types of players that he was going to bring into these rosters. Um, uh, leaning a little bit more towards some newer players and in Hatch and getting Mallory Pugh back into the swing of things and Sophia Smith. And, and this was when he turned a page and and open people up to the idea of the consistency that would be throughout this year. Yeah. We definitely talked a lot about um, sort of those next gen players, right? The players who are, you know, that we're going to likely be covering and, and, and speaking about, you know, in, in the next decade in, in front of us. Um, and that we start, we like, we started to see that page turn a little bit right in the final international window in 2021 when they took the team to Australia and we saw a bunch of young players yeah. or players who hadn't been called in for some time make their return to that international window and make that trip to Australia. And then we got to see 2022, the continuity of that. So um, looking at that, she believes cup, I think it was supposed to be what, 
maybe folks were looking at is that kind of first test in terms of like mm-hmm. getting a look at these players all together. But I also remember that there was like, you know, there's always that, that goofy discourse, you know, about like the teams and the competition that they're playing in front of mm-hmm. them. And when it got announced with Czech Republic and Iceland and New Zealand, um, some of the, the press conferences around there was talking about the teams that got invited to this and how there were certain teams that were lined up and scheduled to play within the 2022 edition of the C believes cup. But because of the ongoing pandemic and, and scheduling conflicts and things like that, they ended up having to reach out to other teams. And like, yeah. so this was the she believes cup that was in front of the players and they ended up, you know, taking it on and tackling it well. And, um, for all of the conversation in that discourse that took that that was surrounding some of the the opposition, they opened that she believes cup with the zero zero draw against Czech Republic, and I think that was probably the earliest part of some of the discourse in 2022 where it was like, what's going on with Andonovsky? These players aren't getting it together, et cetera, et cetera. There was like, I think that was like, for me, like the earliest point in the year where there was a lot of that corner kind of discourse that continued, you know, to follow the team. Yeah throughout 2022 and then they followed it up with a pair of like april friendlies against uzbekistan and there was again the continuity of that it's like hey we had a team like the certain teams that were targeted in this window unfortunately that did not come to light we reached out now we're playing uzbekistan and you know those were really big lopsided scores we're talking about nine like 18 goals yeah over this window in april for these for these uh you know, against these two teams. So it's like uh, folks were just saying, I think it was a mixed, you know, mixed bag of results. But I, I appreciated the She Believes Cup for what we got to see um, develop on the pitch. I think we started to see uh, Andonovsky and the coaching staff really kind of uh, center in on a trio or even a quartet of players that they wanted to see get more time together and develop that chemistry. We really mm-hmm. started to see Mallory Pugh, Sophia Smith, Katarina Macario really getting that extended time together. Rose Lavelle in the mix, trying to see how the kind of that quartet can continue to develop. And it was promising. I think all of us were uh, really excited to take a look at 2022 and sort of see that trio or quartet of players throughout it. But unfortunately um, this was also a year that was played by a lot of injury. And so because of that, we had to hit the, the brakes. It was a pause and sort of, you know, getting to, to see and watch the development between um, between certain players. And we should probably chat a bit about that because maybe 2022 for some folks could be the year of the injury. Uh, Yeah, I think that's putting it lightly. There was so many uh, devastating injuries that took place in 2022. Um, And then specifically when we look at just the U.S. women's national team and some of the top talent that has been called into these camps and getting senior national team caps and then that they are plagued with injury. It started with Tierna Davidson, defender for the U.S., uh, also plays for Chicago Red Star, is announcing that she has torn her ACL. Um, Then Lynn Williams also dealing with a a hamstring injury. Those came early in the year in March. It's kind of crazy to think that we were without 
those two players for most of this year um, in what they were able to do. And I think that opened a lot of question marks across the back line, specifically without Tierna Davidson, because she was a namestay for Vlako Anonofsky as a center back role alongside Becky Sauerbrunn, really um, it groomed to take over that center back leadership role in what she was able to do. And this now opened up a giant gaping hole in the middle of, of, the United States backline in losing Tierna Davidson. So that happened in March, also with Lynn Williams announcing her injury that she would be out for the rest of the NWSL season. That happened in March. I mean, uh, I guess one of the brightest spots is that at this point in Tierna Davidson's recovery, she is expected to be available for January camp selection. Um, so uh, this was when injuries started happening in 2022 um, and ones that are still happening up until this point, late December of 2022, um, people are always circling those teams and, and then counting down the months until the yeah. World Cup. And that's exactly what fans started doing when we heard about Davidson and Williams. And then from there, we go on to hear that star striker, Katarina Macario, who yeah. played for Lyon. Uh, ends up tearing her ACL after coming off of a great She Believes Cup where we were looking at a different front line for the United States because with Katarina Macario in that front line alongside players like Smith, Pugh, Alex Morgan, Macario added a new look, playing a, a withheld nine, dropping back deeper into the midfield. So that announcement of, of her injury in June was stifling for U.S. Women's National Team fans for the teams. It, it, it was it was like okay, let's count, let's count the months until we hope she could be back. Um, Black Wanowski has reported that she's at a, a the FIFA rehab center and she's expected to be back by late February from this injury. And then uh, the fourth in a, a quadruple of sad injuries, Kristen Press forward. Kristen Press announcing that she tore her ACL in in June. This is her first season playing in LA with Angel City in the NWSL and with the national team. Um, this was going to be her year, uh, right, with club and with country, finally playing back in the NWSL. And she announces that she tore her ACL. So that was another one. Fans had to count the months and say, how far until the World Cup? How long for this player to to start their recovery and get back on the pitch? It was like one after the other. I think that was yeah. what was so jarring about the injury list in 2022 that it was just a it was constant and b it was just like one after the other. I think with Williams and although it wasn't an ACL, it's a leg. There's ligaments, right? It, it, it ham the ongoing hamstring injury. You've got Williams and Davidson is like back to back, like in March, and then you've got a Macario and a press that's back to back, and like yeah. it's like the way in which these injuries were occurring, it just was like it felt constant, and it just felt like one after the other. So it just feels kind of jarring, and it kind of set in motion a lot. You know, again, the continuity of all the question marks right around this team. It's like oh, and then the whole concept of like here's another test, and here's another test, and and here's this next test for this group of players throughout uh, twenty twenty two. But, you know, with the injuries, with players out on um, maternity leave, right? Because yeah, yeah. Black Odinowski, um has constantly kind of included players collectively within players who are absent from the team in 2022. It was always a combination of players who were dealing with injury or players working their way back from, from maternity leave, whether that was, uh, you know, a Crystal Dunn or somebody like a Julie Ertz who has constantly been asked about in these press conferences despite you know, no real updates um, or somebody like a Casey Kruger who he has brought up in, in, um, in press conferences as well. 
So what was that going to look like in a year that held such a big moment for this team, which was the CONCACAF W championship. And I think what that did, we already started this 2022 talking about how that, that beginning turn of the page was actually flipped. And we started to see, um, you know, these real glimpses of these sort of next gen players, but that also opened the window for even more mm-hmm. of these players to sort of get into the mix, into the, the, the pool and, and conversation of players on this roster. We saw the return of Naomi Gurma, with this team in 2022 after being drafted number one overall with San Diego wave. Um, It was her first time back with the senior team in camps, I believe since 2019. Um, And I think even then, I don't think people anticipated what somebody like Yerma was going to bring and provide for this team in such a state of necessity because it was necessary. It was like, what's going, like what's happening in this, in these center back positions, because we also actually didn't even mention Becky Sarbon. This was a player who had um, some work done ahead of this NWSL season uh, on her right knee as well. So was out for an extended period of time. So we saw somebody like Alana Cook, right? Kind of like this last center back standing yeah. Um, in between, uh, you know, a position that kind of saw a lot of injuries, whether it was to Davidson or Sauerbrunn very early in the year or Abby Dahlkemper, who we now know was has constantly been navigating a dangerous back injury she announced that she had uh surgery already in 2022 during this offseason so kind of like this combination of like here's a lot of cook she's this last center back standing and becky sarbron is eventually working her way back in we've got to get some more depth in this position and here is naomi Gurma coming off of this outstanding at the time it was like a first half of her nwsl season and they're bringing her in for these uh these June friendlies against Colombia. Right. And uh, this was like the final prep before this team went off to Mexico to compete for a world cup qualification spot uh, in July. I I mean, even when Germa was with San Diego, it was also this big question mark around the wave and kind of how they were competing in the NWSL because no one really knew what to expect from this new expansion side with a new coach and Stoney and new ownership and everything. It was brand new. So to Mm -hmm. kind of watch Naomi Germa develop throughout the NWSL season and and continue to see Vlako Anonofsky pick her out individually and, and say, we need you. And then to have such a young player as a rookie in the profession league she just graduated from Stanford then step into the uh, one of the most difficult positions frankly on mm-hmm. the soccer field as a center back because you can't make any mistakes you have to lead the team you have to be vocal you have to organize everything defensively and yeah. Gurma just stepped in there seamlessly alongside Alana Cook for for most of those friendlies in June before the CONCACAF W championship and Little did we know that that would be the future, right, of of these center backs, of Gurma being the one to step in there and solidify her spot. She rose to the occasion tremendously, and we saw that throughout the CONCACAF W Championship because the United States went into this – and they end up winning their ninth CONCACAF championship. Uh, they shut out all of their opponents throughout this tournament. Um, no goals against during it. They played Haiti, Jamaica, Mexico, Costa Rica. And then they end up playing Canada in the CONCACAF W championship final. And it's a 1-0 win for the United States with a goal from Alex Morgan. But we also saw some injuries throughout this tournament yeah. as well. And and 
with that opened up a spot for another player and a new face because Ashley Hatch ends up getting injured in the middle of this July CONCACAF tournament, which ended up being qualifiers for the World Cup, opening up qualifiers for the Olympics and the W Gold Cup in 2024. And with that, Ashley Hatch, forward for Washington Spirit and the U.S., had to go home back to the United States to start her recovery on her back injury, which opened up the opportunity for Portland Thorns midfielder Sam Coffey, another rookie in the NWSL, to join the United States. Um, She ends up joining the team and gets 90 minutes and continues to play and and really steps into that role. So uh, early on, right, this is July of 2022. We're seeing two young, young players get their first senior caps and not only just getting caps in a couple of minutes here and there, but solidifying their spots and their roles on this team in Naomi Gurma and Sam Coffey. 100%. I think that that June window, I think, was an, a little bit of another turning point maybe for this team. And for me, July was it. Like July 2022 was like a really top moment for me. I don't want to speak for you, but I know we really enjoyed, uh, you know, doing the coverage of the CONCACAF W Championship. It was a real opportunity to sort of get an even deeper look at this team and how they're going to look uh, during uh, you know, a very intense kind of international tournament. Um, and that June window ahead of this tournament, getting a German in the mix, you know, a Korniak in the mix, yeah. Korniak in the mix as well, Sam Coffee in the mix. I mean, that was part of why that wasn't a like-for-like like swab. I think that's important, you know, and that you mentioned that because you've got a, a striker in in Hatch and then you've got a defensive midfielder in Coffee. So this wasn't a like-for-like like swap. Coffee was had already been with the team at this point um, in that June window. But hey, she didn't play. She, she didn't play. Minutes. Yeah. So they were like, you know what? You need to come on in and, and be with the team. You're you're the you're one of the, the the players that has sort of already been in this uh, with this with this specific group. Um, so sort of watching um, this team, you know, put together the performances that they did. I mean, we, watching Sophia Smith you know, at this point in the midway of the year, kind of continue her very impressive year. Um, it was really, really cool to watch. I think there there was so much chatter about, like, we need to see this group tested and they haven't gotten a real test yet. And there was still, Lisa, there was still some of that yeah. in this competition. The CONCACAF disrespect was too much for me. You know how much we love CONCACAF <laughs> and we don't want it to ever be disrespected. But there was still some of that in this competition as well. Um, you know, people saying like, oh, like, what is it, you know, really to go up against the, you know, a Mexican side that struggled, you know, in, in the tournament that they hosted, you know, or or Jamaica or, uh, you know, yeah. really not getting a look until uh, really not maybe getting tested until Canada, you know, baloney, mm-hmm. right? Like Haiti. Bologna. Like what does Haiti look like? You know, like, so it was, it was, it was, it was very interesting time. And I loved it. It July was probably one of my favorite months to cover this team, um, during, during the year. Um, but I think it was important because like they had lost at this point, we knew that they were not going to have a Katarina Macario going into, into this, they were not going to have a Kristen press. And it also kind of was like this idea, this point in the year in which the coaching coaching staff was like, okay, we're going to start integrating the veterans back in Uh because we saw Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino get reintroduced to this team in 2022. And they had not been, 
collectively called into the team since like October of 2021. So that was also a big storyline adjacent to the fact that this was a group of players who hadn't had a lot of time, um, you know, to, to play with each other throughout uh, maybe the six months that they had already been um, competing with each other. So uh, that was a very exciting time for me. And, and I know for you and for us here at, at the show. And, you know, they, they followed that up with, with later friendlies in the later stage of the years. They, they had the, the couple of friendlies against Nigeria. We were very excited about that. A 4-0 victory yep. and then a 2-1 victory, a little bit more narrow. We were very excited about uh, that them going up against that team as well. We, we talked a lot about what maybe those results might have looked like if Nigeria had actually also had their full squad at their disposal because they were a team at the time during that window that were also dealing with a bit of an injury bug. Um, but it set up the stage for kind of the, you know, the, the latter, the latter moments of this year. And of course, alongside those friendlies, we got to talk about this historic CBA that this team signed <laughs> during this window as well. A long time coming. I think we were celebrating it, um, you know, as the news came through uh, and, and was released, uh, the ongoing negotiations between both the United States women's national team, the U.S. men's national team, and U.S. soccer to finally get this done. And the team went ahead and put pen to paper and the collective historic CBA was, was signed. It was uh, very exciting. Yeah. I mean, it, following the NWSL CBA that was signed um, at the start of the NWSL season and then having uh, the U S soccer CBA being signed, it was an incredible historic moment, right? Because the CBA was signed by both national teams, the men's and the women's. Um, but it, this one was specifically uh, for the women's CBA after this Nigeria match uh, that was actually played in Philadelphia at Subaru Park. And, and that was something that was super cool as well, um, because this was such a long time coming. There were so many meetings with these players, so many fights, so much um decisions and discussions and negotiations that had to take place with this. And, and um, by doing this, they got more money for themselves. They got not just equal pay, but also equal representation. And I mean, this CBA was just historic. It was the year of the CBA, frankly, <laughs> like in the domestic league, in the NWSL, and then with U.S. soccer and it, it being already put into place, right, with the Men's World Cup that just concluded this past weekend. Um, and because of that, like it, it, the overall equal pay fight saw a reckoning, in September of this year with the women's team. You know, I think this is maybe the moment in the year where we could look at as sort of the feel good moments of, of the year. Um, we're talking about a team with a lot of players who maybe hadn't had a lot of time together, but they were picking up dubs, right? They were getting the wins along the way in 2022 um, the announcement of the CBA, that was very exciting. All of these players are part of a very historic moment um, for this team and its program's history. Um, and then we're, we kind of turned to, to the latter stages of, of this year where maybe it's a we got to talk about it as, you know, perhaps it was a bit of, of a gray area. Um, you know, for for the team this year, because right after that, you roll into October and um 
the U.S. Soccer Commission investigative report by Sally Q. Yates is, is released in early October. Um, and it essentially, you know, goes through a lot of the the, the investigation was of, of all of the allegations of, of sexual abuse and, and harassment within women's professional soccer. And it's a very, very stark report. You know, I believe it was over 300 pages. We did a ton of episodes on it. If people need a recap of that, please, um, you know, check out those summaries as well. Um, but there was a lot. Of, it was difficult, difficult report mm-hmm. to get through with all of the findings. And it dropped just ahead of another big moment for this team. They were going to go to Europe yeah, and play in an October window against England and Spain. And England, a big July of their own, they came out as champions of Europe. They're the Euro 2022 champions. So they were going to play in Wembley. There was a, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of, of sparkly, bright, bright things to talk about in the buildup to this game. And the report, it almost just sort of sucked the air out of that, at least in terms of this side of the pond, right? There, mm-hmm. it, was, it was just so... Um, disheartening and saddening to uh, to sort of go through all of that and then we have these players in a camp overseas yeah. right yeah. and we see these players um Becky Sauerbrunn specifically Alana Cook specifically we hear from Megan Rapino specifically coming out of these camps fielding questions about these things and you know Becky Cyber and the captain of this team saying we're just I'm just going to put it out there now because I'm going to get asked we're not okay um yeah. that it was just you know again it was just very 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 difficult um to get through all of that and I you know I think it's important for us to to take note of that in light of this window right that October window because it's it's their first two losses of the year uh, in 2022. And um, they did, I think, uh, their best to try to celebrate a very big moment in terms of two very good programs going head to head with England and Spain and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. a massive record crowd at Wembley Stadium. There was a lot to celebrate there. And I think they tried to do their best to, to take it all in. But I can't imagine what that was like to have to go through that international window in light of all that dropping. Exactly. And and with the results of the Yates investigation, um, f- players saying that they still had to play, right? Even though there was a break in domestic play in the NWSL, the, the national team was still competing. They, they could be together, right? Which I think is also a bright spot in that, that um, they at least had each other in those moments when they were traveling and in Europe for these friendlies. But with the Yates investigation results dropping there, they also dropped recommendations for U.S. soccer to do. Um, and one of those was creating a task force um, in in U.S. soccer's membership in, in order to provide safety around that. And so that dropped in early, early October, this investigation with the recommendations and, and the next steps for U.S. soccer to take. And by December, it was announced that um, Manishim was going to be the chair of the Participant Safety Task Force for U.S. soccer. So uh, I think it's so important to see that within two months span, right, I mean, of the results dropping and the investigation report, that Manishim, who was a very um, uh, 
per, uh, a person very much involved in this. They came forward, put her face and her name to these results and, and this investigation and, and was one of the handful of players that started this ball rolling about let's uncover some of these horrible things that have happened that she then becomes the chair of the participation safety task force for U.S. soccer in, in early December. So it was quickly um, turned around and and hopefully steps being made in the right direction, right? That I'm trying to find like the yeah, coupling of the silver lining yeah. that comes with the devastation that was yeah. the, the Yates reports, but at the same time, the U.S. then dropped games, and a lot of fingers were pointed at this team and at Black Lewandowski about what are they doing, um, it, playing against European champions, England, going going to Spain and playing a game, um, and why aren't they winning these games? Why aren't they just dominating at this point? And I think we learned a lot about the world of women's football at that point and understanding yeah. that. Yeah. It, the competition is really tight and these other nations are incredibly good and talented. And that was the preparation that I think this team needed at that point um, to, to kind of reflect on, especially being in Europe, not playing at home records, crowds at Wembley playing for the first time in Paloma, Spain against the Spanish national team. These were really big tests for the United States that they needed to have in that moment. And I think when I reflect on it now, not being so in the moment with it yeah. in October, um, it was good for this team, right? To have those yeah. challenges. Maybe the timing wasn't great, yeah. coupled with the Yates report, but yeah. uh, the challenges on the pitch were good for them. Absolutely. I mean, look, we wanted to see certain things during those friendlies, and I think we still got to see them. We talked a lot about how Trinity Rodman was getting, you know, call call ups in, into these national team camps and that we wanted to see her get a chance to start in some of these games. And I, my goodness, I mean, there was a goal that was called back that, you know, she she had scored against England. And I think we're talking about that particular game very differently if it ends in a 2-2 draw versus a 2-1 loss, which is how it went down in the record books, right? But it was such a great moment in terms of the stage that it was and to see not just, you know, Rodman perform well, but Smith performing well. Um, I think it it provided a, a different level of excitement around some of the younger players that maybe folks weren't um, hadn't reached yet in, in those beginning uh, matches of, of the year. Right. It was different watching this type of talent go up against um, these, these sort of top ranked teams versus, you know, against like in Uzbekistan. Um, so there was different energy, I think coming out of these friendlies, despite the, the two consecutive losses, it ended a streak for this team, right? 71 home game, uh, unbeaten streak that was ended when they came back in November and went up against Germany. I don't know if anybody had planned or, you know, predicted, in 2022, that the United States women's team, national team, would go on a three-game losing streak. But that also happened in 2022. A couple of friendlies against Germany, both 2-1 scorelines, one which they dropped against Germany, and then the other, they closed out their calendar year with a victory, 2-1. Mm -hmm. I liked these friendlies. They I were tough to get through, but they were fun to watch. These friendlies were incredibly fun to watch. I mean, the talent that this German side had and, and the mm -hmm. questions that they posed to the United States um, and the fact that they did lose that opening match against Germany going on that three-game skid and then the first loss at home, um, I think to then follow it up with a 2-1 win with goals from 
Smith and Pugh in, in that match in New Jersey at Red Bull, it was the way for this team to finish the year. They they still conceded one to Germany in that in that match, but um, the turnaround and the difference between these two games and and what these players were able to do, the the type of competition that we saw. I mean, this was a, a top five team in Germany, right? That's exactly who the United States needs to be playing. Those are the question marks that they can be posed, and we saw them make changes and adjustments from the first game to the second game. Um, we saw a little bit more fight and a little bit more grit from the. United States team to close out the year in this match against Germany. And that's how they did it because they end on a win. Um, they they ended with some announcements for the 2023 year, but these November friendlies against Germany back in the United States were a, a way for them to kind of close out this year and put a stamp on it with a win over Germany 2-1 and then turn the page to 2023, a World Cup year, um, and what they're going to bring because the competition is is not slowing down. And now that they've faced those tests against England, Spain, Germany, um, they can continue to, to plow forward and understand the growth because all the injuries we talked about, those players are also coming back. And they've been watching all year. They saw what happened against Germany. They saw what happened against England and Spain. Um, so adding those pieces back in after they, they close out with a loss and a win over Germany is a, an interesting way to end the year. Maybe not the way that the U.S. wanted to end it, the way that fans didn't want it to end that way, but they end on a win. They end on a high note, and I think that's something to to circle and put a star around. Absolutely. 100%. I, um, I'm with you. I love that the World Cup is is what's – on the radar for this team it was yeah. on the radar in 2022. And now as they are looking ahead to 2023, it's absolutely the biggest thing on the list. We also got the world cup draw. We're going to talk about the world cup draw and a few milestones right after a quick break. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step. The reason building a business is tough. Taylor brands is simplifying the business journey from launching and managing to grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's keep chatting. United States Women's National Team 2022 year in review. The team qualified for the 2023 World Cup emphatically with a win in the CONCACAF W Championship. And then there was a World Cup draw. And it kind of really put things into perspective. Drawn into group 
E USA is with Vietnam, the Netherlands, and they await the winner of a Group A Inter-Confederation playoff, either Portugal, Thailand, or Cameroon, which will be the United States. Yep. What a way to end the year for the U.S. with this World Cup draw. Um, It was very... It was a spectacle, right, about yeah. who, who was going to be drawn. The fact that yeah. the U.S. is not in a group uh, with um, Sweden is <laughs> something that was interesting. And also Vietnam, a team that the United States has never played before. They'll also be in this group. Uh, but now that the, the United States has their competition for the World Cup and the group stages, it, it was like, okay, now we can continue to prep and to understand what we're going to do because now we know who we're going to face against. It was also announced that all the U.S.'s World Cup group stage matches would be played in New Zealand, perhaps giving them a bit more of an advantage compared to some of the other groups that will be traveling uh, back and forth um, across Australia and between New Zealand and Australia. So a lot of answers given to the U.S. and to fans with this draw, with who they're going to play. But we won't find out who that third team is between Portugal, Thailand, and Cameroon until the intercontinental uh, play-in tournament that happens in February. So just a few more weeks to find out about that. But honestly, like, uh, once you know these teams, like, the Preparation doesn't change that much, right? I mean, for the United States with what they're going to do, they're going to go out there and play their own game. Maybe defensively their tactics will shift a little bit, but um, not as much, right? It's just play our game, understand the players on the pitch, the rhythm that they're getting into, have a little bit of continuity with the lineups that we're seeing from Blacko Anonofsky and and reintroduce those players in 2023 that have been out for most of 2022. Yeah, it's exciting to um, to think about. It's just like I feel like every episode that we do and every week that comes by, we're just getting closer and closer and closer to the big one, right? We'll just we'll just refer to it. And um, it's cool that within 2022, yes, in between uh, the international windows and, and, and friendlies, in between the, the international tournaments, whether it's a She Believes Cup or uh, a CONCACAF W Championship, um, the, the players – who were in and out of these international windows of these camps, of these fixtures, there were a ton of milestones Mm -hmm. that were met along the way. Um, And I think that kind of stuff is always celebrated. You know, I think when we're talking about the United States women's national team, they're a program that have been around a, a long time and B have a lot of resources and they're able to keep track of all those really great things like milestones and and career caps or goals, et cetera. Um, Alex Morgan earning her 200th career cap, 10 of them just in this year alone and just the 13th player in U.S. women's national team history to get 200 caps. So, you know, this is like a number that might not be attainable, you know, in depending on the the player and depending on the program. And it's wild to me in a year like 2022, you have Alex Morgan reaching that milestone while somebody like a Sophia Smith, you know, the player who's kind of going to be the face in the future of this team went on this incredible run in 2022 as well. Yeah, Sophia Smith had a a breakout year. Heading into this year, she only had one international goal. She ends 2022 with 11 international goals, the most of any U.S. women's national team player this year. And she also became the youngest player to lead the United States in scoring in one calendar year since Mia Hamm did that at age 21 
1993. Um, it, it was a breakout year for Sophia Smith. It was incredibly fun to watch her um, and also partnered alongside Alex Morgan, a player that you yeah. just mentioned got her 200th cap. I think that we saw that really come alive and we saw the consistency between Sophia Smith, Alex Morgan, um, and Mallory Pugh in that front three lineup for Vlako Anonofsky. But um, uh, this was a really big year for Sophia Smith. She then does so many things domestically, winning MVP of the league, of of the championship game, lifting the NWSL trophy. Um, it was a breakout year for the young superstar in Smith. And I, I just can't wait for that to carry on over into 2023. Um but there was also some big goalkeeper news this year, right? We saw the consistency of goalkeeper Alyssa Nair between the sticks for the United States. Uh, she hit her 50th career shutout this year, five shutouts in this calendar year because she split time a lot with Casey Murphy. That's another goalkeeper we saw get really consistent time uh, this year. We also saw the, the likes of Aubrey Kingsbury play one game, get called up into a few camps. But it was Alyssa Nair who solidified herself um, with 50 career or shutouts. Holy cow. Yeah. What an accomplishment for that type of player, especially when you're going up against some really big and tough competition um, throughout CONCACAFW Championship, five shutouts for this team throughout the entire tournament and also goalkeeper Ashlyn Harris, longtime U S women's national team goalkeeper. She announced her retirement this year. Um, she won the world cup in 2015, 2019. Um, and she finished her national team debut her, or her final game, excuse me, was in January of 2020 with the U S but she announced her retirement from the game um, as U S soccer says, goodbye and and see you soon to another great between between the sticks and goal yeah i love that um i love that you're mentioning two prolific goalkeepers who have had long histories in this in this program i mean Alyssa Nair, i i was delighted by her 2022 we're talking about a player who picked up a, a significant injury during the tokyo olympic games was out for the remainder of that 2021 calendar year mm -hmm. and started to get you know reintegrated back onto the pitch and for somehow some kind of way looked uh stronger and faster on on the pitch and in her position um really looking at Alyssa Nair and sort of seeing like we always know she's been very uh someone who's had a very like cool calm and collected presence in between the pipes but um I don't know if people would say that something like uh you know coming off the line or quickness off the line was one of her strongest attributes and I think she completely smashed that this year so not only is she that you know very kind of cool-headed and uh very disciplined and organized a distributor uh in the pipes but now she's looking really really good um in a lot of other areas as well um and i love uh you know the note on on harris and, and sort of how she's you know riding out to to other uh you know areas of her career and uh i think it's important to know that to close out this year adriana france got you know called mm -hmm. back into into these camps so that goalkeeper pool is forever rotating but we one thing that we can point to and say is consistent in it is that listener is the, is the number one but let's keep talking about defense a little bit because we love that here right on attacking third a lot of cook defender who led the team in minutes played starting all 15 minute uh 15 matches that she played in totaling 1,286 minutes. Look, we talked about in the first half of this episode 
how injuries really, really came in and played a role in this team. And Danofsky saying when they put together the roster for CONCACAF that injuries in maternity leave were something that shaped that. Uh, but Alana Cook, when we're talking about a constant or a constant, she was one of those, uh, you know, figures in that position to, to sort of, you know, always be there for, for this team. Yeah, leading the team in minutes, um, that's insane to have over 1,200 minutes played in one calendar year. And that's just with the national team. That doesn't include um, all the play that Alana Cook had with O.L. Reign in the NWSL. We also saw the return of Crystal Dunn. What a huge milestone for this player um, and and for women, right? I'm just going to go out there and say that because Crystal Dunn um, was out for maternity leave for a, a majority of 2022. And she ends up returning to the pitch following the birth of her son, Marcel. Uh, Marcel was born in May. Um, and then in September, Dunn was back training with the United States in their training camp. And by November, she had made the full training roster and she was available f- for selection. We got to see Dunn playing again by the end of November for three caps in 2022 after she gave birth in May. That was uh, fantastic to see, right? Coming back into the swing of things, getting some time in those matches, playing in the left outside back role, giving Emily Fox a little bit of a breather in some of those matches. Uh, But this was a a milestone that I was so pleased and happy to see. And we knew that Crystal Dunn was fighting for this. She wanted to get back on the pitch. She continued training with her club team, Portland Thorns, throughout the majority of 2022 uh, pretty much up until she gave birth and then as soon as doctors would allow her back on the pitch after she gave birth and and the fact that she worked so hard um was fighting was listening to her body was was working with incredible doctors to be able to play in an international friendly by the end of the year of 2022 um i mean she's in she's a superwoman super mom i love that yeah, absolutely. It was, I think, one of the stories that kind of came towards the latter end of 2022 that everybody was just like, if if no one else, of course, Crystal Dunn. Yeah, right. It was a, uh, it was quite a, quite a performance to to, to witness. Um, the United States, uh, you know, racking up other numbers in other areas, whether it's goals scored or attendance records, right? We talked a little bit about uh, the October window and how that took place overseas. United States versus England at Wembley had record attendance, 76,893 in the turnstiles to take a look at those two teams go head to head. It is the highest attended friendly in U.S. women's national team history. Tickets selling out, you know, in in about a day or so. Um, Exciting, exciting moment for the team this year. Huge for them to play at Wembley. Um, the the team in 2022 as a whole, they scored 56 goals this year, uh, 56 celebrations on the pitch that we got to watch. And one thing that really stuck out to me in these stats is that through 14 games, um, 26 of the goals were scored by players under the age of 24. So not only was were young players being called into the rosters and getting caps and getting minutes, but they were scoring goals and they were contributing. Um, uh, we saw it along the back line, right, with Gurma and really stepping into that role. And Alana Cook, another young one, Emily Fox along that back line as well. But up the pitch, they were scoring these goals. So 56 of them, 26 goals scored by players under the age of 24. So the future is very bright for this team and these players. 
the number one ranked team in the, amongst the FIFA rankings. And look, we should also talk about these players who were newer to the team because those are milestones as well. There are several players who earned first caps or made debuts. Let's talk about Sam Coffey a little bit. Earned her first cap at the CONCACAF W Championship. Finished the year with four caps and one star. Became the 250th player to earn a cap with the United States women's national team versus Nigeria. Played a full 90 in that game. Huge for Sam Coffey. We got to see uh, the start of her when she was called in late to the CONCACAF W Championship, but but she slotted in quite well. I mean, the defensive midfield position is still like a bit of a question mark. Vlakovanovsky is looking for competition at that role, looking for someone to take over it. And with uh, a young player like Sam Coffey, she could be the answer. Uh, we've talked so much about this other player, defender Naomi Gurma. She earned her first senior national team camp this year, which is crazy to think about because by the end of the year with the October friendlies, the November friendlies, we were like, well, Gurma's got to be in the center. Oh, box. There's, there's no way we could play without her. And it's crazy to think that this is only the first year that she's played with the senior national team getting capped. She's been called into camps before and she's gotten looks and she's been called up. But this was the first time that she got her very first cap. She started eight of the 10 games that she played this year. She even earned an assist in one of these. So she's getting points. She, she's getting on these this score sheet as well. And she had six 90-minute appearances. Uh, Gurma is the future of the center backs for this U.S. team. I love it. I love the numbers. I love the stats behind this player. Naomi Gurma, the revelation. That's absolutely who she was in 2022. Shout out to goalkeeper Aubrey Kingsbury. Got her first and only cap in 2022. A 90-minute match during the She Believes Cup. Defender Carson Pickett also earning her first cap. Ended out the year with two caps and two starts. And defender Haley Mace also returned to the team this year as well. In light, again, of some injuries, right? We talked about injuries in that first half, but we saw Emily Fox go out with some injury. And we had Haley Mace uh, to take a look at and sort of slot in if needed. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about Trinity Rodman, Lisa. Trinity Rodman, um, this is another young player, 20 years old, that broke into the U.S. Women's National Team this year. Uh, she had seen sniffs. She was a namesay on the youth national teams for the United States, but um, she ends this year with 10 caps, two goals, a vital part of, of this front line, but also incredibly young. Like This is the type of future that we're talking about, a 20-year-old in, in Rodman getting into this team after a stellar rookie year in the NWSL. That, that's what got Vlako Andonofsky noticing her in, in 2021. Then 2022, she ends up making a difference. We also saw the likes of midfielder Taylor Korniak, who earned her first senior national team call up, she, or um, her first cap, excuse me. She ended up playing seven games in 2022. She even netted a goal, one for Taylor Korniak. Uh, we saw her appear in the CONCACAF W Championship. I mean, there were six players or seven players that made their debut this year, Sandra. Seven players. Look, it's hard to imagine that in the year leading up to a World Cup that you've still got a ton of players 
earning first caps or, or making those side of those sort of debuts and, and kind of hitting those types of milestones. But that happened in 2022 for, for this year. And honestly, I think that's um, a bit of a blessing. I think that's part of what comes with the territory of being the number one ranked team in the world, of, of being the team that has this reputation of a strong program, of a strong pool of players. And we got even more glimpses into the future because Alyssa Thompson, 18 years old, got her first call up and earned two caps, became the youngest player called up for a full national team camp since Sophia Smith, who was 16 in 2017. Alyssa Thompson, this was a name that when the roster dropped, a lot of people were like, who is she? Who is she? I know we went live on here on Attacking Third on YouTube and people in our comments were like, how do we know her? Who is she? Is she in college? What is she doing? No, she's 18 years old. She's not in college yet. And she was playing um, in the October European tour with this United States team. I mean, this is a, a player that proved herself right playing with the boys team a u17 boys team and ends up uh coming in and, and making a difference she's been in the youth programs but this first senior national team call up um and, and two caps for her the future is incredibly bright there were so many milestones so yeah. many debuts for players so many uh moments of history made with the signing of the cba and the world cup being announced and the draw and all of these players getting their debut seven of them this year it's it was a very good year for the U.S. in 2022. It absolutely was. Future's bright. The World Cup is next. We got next in the World Cup. 2023 is on the horizon for this team. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody. Thank you all so much for joining and listening to Attacking Third. Download, follow, listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. You can watch us. Make sure you subscribe so you can see whenever we go live at youtube.com slash attacking third. And a reminder to please vote for attacking third in the best episode in the signal awards. It means so much to have your support link is in the episode description, or you can QR code in the YouTube video. Happy holidays, everyone have a great weekend for Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman. This was attacking. Third. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.